became friends through the uh, the TV ministry that uh, Dr. Fielder and I had a while back, and he's just a blessed brother. He blesses us every time we went. He he just severely loves the Lord. Great to have you all with us too. Really, is this, this is a real blessing. Uh, some called and canceled out. They couldn't make it tonight for one reason or the other. But let's just pray and get the anointing on it. Father, in Jesus' name, Father, I, to begin with, I just take authority over the enemy who would try to hinder in any way our receiving or dispersing of the information you'd be given tonight. And they, I just command them to be silent. And we just loose the Holy Spirit to just anoint us to hear and to receive and be blessed because of this teaching in Jesus' name. This uh, teaching, as was sent out through the, uh, the little flyer, has, is, is titled Truth or Consequences. And I think it's a very important teaching. I try to impress upon the people that this is going to be a, a real vital piece of information to, uh, to us. And I want to teach this uh, a, a different from most teachings or preaching, especially preachings are, are done to sway the people into an opinion. This uh, I want to give just to encourage meditation. And I think you'll look back as we get uh, through with the teaching of why I wanted to, uh, to lend it to, to meditation. And we want to start in our thinking where God began creating. One of the first laws that God set into place was the law of entropy, the law of entropy. That, uh, that just simply means that something is losing its quality. It means that uh, creation as we know it today, all the stars, planet, cosmos, uh, this earth, all the beings and animals upon this earth is going to come to an end. That's a foregone conclusion because God set the, the law of entropy into place. And really when you get right down to it, this law of entropy simplistically put, which is about all the way I can do it because of my, it's not my discipline, it, it's really Einstein's theory of uh, relativity in, in its simplest form uh, of expansion and loss of energy. That's what it means. But there, there's a deeper spiritual connotation of this that most people never see. And when I, when I started grasping this, I thought, Lord, this is a wonderful thing for the church to, to see because it impacts all of our life if we, if we will put it into place in our life. And this is based on true happenings. And I'm going to deal with the fact about truth or consequences, the truth part first, because everything that we know should be based on truth. And the truth uh, is ruling creation, whether we understand it fully or not, which I don't propose to uh, say that I understand it fully, but it's true. And uh, it was in place before God ever began the creation process. Uh, uh, In John 1, God himself gave us this piece of revelation. He says, in the beginning was the word. Now, we we gloss over that, but really what it's saying, in the beginning was the word. It uses the article the, means there was a one specific word, the word. And the word, not just a word, but the word was God. And, it goes on to say, the word was made flesh. Now, this, this word we're talking is not sound waves. 
It's not vocalism. What it is, is a manifest characteristic of God himself. Because he would go on and say that uh, in John 17, that thy word is truth. Now, if we dissect that, the word is truth. It's not has truth or speaks truth. It says the word is truth. And then we go on to say that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God and made flesh. And when we talk about truth in its definitional uh, utilization, I, I check this out. In, to those in truth that God re, uh, revealed truth in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, be, we can call it covenant. I think it's better to use covenant than uh, testament, really. It's a more applicable word, and it has a deeper connotation to it. What it did there, it produced stability. It produced stability. It spoke stability to the old covenant saints. But to we who were under the new covenant, it produces a soulish rendering. We're going to deal with uh, with the word, it, thy word is truth from a soulish complex because we are body, soul, and spirit. Yes. And we know also that our soul is comprised of mind, will, and emotions. That's how God deals with us in our soulish aspect, and he's always bringing that, trying to bring that into line with our daily operations. Truth, by worldly definition, wants us to conform to what they consider as reality and what they consider is group direction. To them, that's what's truth. What they see happening, what's happening around them, what the group is doing, what's the peer, what are the peers saying. That's how I'm supposed to act if I'm in the world. They don't understand the other truth. But Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then, you have to do that, then are you my disciples indeed. And, he goes in conjunction with that, ye shall know the truth. Again, the article, truth, not a compilation of them, not a multitude, the one and only truth. The truth, and, conjunction with that, the truth shall make you that means there in the, in the uh, Greek, fashion you it free. So we're developing the truth of God, how important it is in our life to understand that. And operating in truth, we need to understand also that when we start operating in the truth that we're defining now, not as men or, or Webster's Dictionary pronounces truth, but when we operate in the truth, then that sole intent of that is to free our soul, to free our soul. Matthew 16 says this, what shall a man exchange? That means simply trade in vernacular for his soul. And you and I see people who are trading things for their soul every day, and they don't understand the consequences of what they're doing, the seriousness of what they're doing. But this soul liberty does not stop external conflicts. One can go through them with 
peace within. With peace within the soul, we can operate in this truth. It'll bring conflict, but we can still have peace within our soul. In fact, is God gave Adam dominion, which means ruling authority, and he was to make decisions. In that ruling authority required that he made decisions, but implied within that delegation of authority was the fact that he should have been ruling from God's perspective in truth. Building on that, adverse consequences result because he let truth be questioned. And that can start speaking to us about what we're going to be talking about tonight, developing tonight. If we let truth be compromised, it brings adverse results. So he gave up his dominion. Anytime we give up our soulish authority, we release our dominion over areas. Adam had known about good and evil. He had, he had knowledge of it, but he did not understand the consequences of that. Adam knew about death. God had talked to him about death. But he had no knowledge about the consequences of death. God, in fact, just said, I'm, I'm giving you this, and based upon what I say, I ex now this is kind of a parenthetical insertion, I'm expecting you to make your decisions based upon what I'm telling you before you have to try to experience these things, because if you try to experience these, it's going to bring you into problems. He, God did not wish in his perfect will for Adam to have to experience that, although in his foreknowledge he knew what was going to be happening. Adam had seen death inside the garden, and I believe he had also seen death outside of Eden. I think he had the, the ability to walk right up to the boundary of, of the Garden of Eden and also Eden itself, and observed the death that was going on out there as well as they had, they had death in Eden. Plants were dying. Certain animals would have been dying. So he would have witnessed death. He just never had witnessed death by sin. That, was, that would be later new to him. And when Adam gave way his dominion, now he began to understand and grasp the ramifications of his loss, of his not acting upon truth, of uh, trading God's word for his own mental decisions. And he began to experience fear for the first time. He began to have mental anguish for the first time. Never had had that before. He began to have relational issues, conflicts within his home with Eve. Now, these things are between the lines in the Word, and you can infer whatever they speak to you, but I'm sure that, that evil and compromise bring con conflict. We, we can see it in our everyday homes today. If you don't have unity of purpose and unity of mind you're gonna, uh, and direction, you're going to have conflicts within a home. If you're not equally yoked, you're going to have conflicts within a home. 
If one is saved and one's a sinner, you're going to have a major conflict. We're dealing with one of those types of things in our distant uh, family. Now we've tried to warn the individual about uh, partaking of uh, uh, a uh, Union with one who that we question their salvation experience, and we've we've tried to reach out and say you need to rethink this. You know, uh, don't rush into this too quickly because God has forbade a saved person from uniting maritally and being made one with an unsaved, un, unregenerated soul. Because when He clearly says when you do that, you're going to have conflict. And we, we're painting because these are, these are dear to our soul and, and we're just concerned about them. We don't, we hate to see them go through that. We have to point out to our children sometimes, uh, that, uh, they know more about technology than we do in the world, but we've had to tell them, you know, ear to ear that, uh, we know more about life than you do. They might not want to receive that, but, uh, we, we have to say those kinds of things. And so they have to deal with that. So he knew all of these relational conflicts, and he also learned and knew how to sweat. Now, sweat not only means the perspiration on a face, but he learned that work became became to him no longer a joyous, happy thing. I've been really blessed. I tell people I've never had a job because everything I've always done, I've loved to do. I would have done it for nothing I was just blessed because I did it, and they paid me for it. And I've had that all my life. So I'm, I'm kind of, you know, a little compromised in that area. I have to reach some time to, uh, to, to deal with that. But, yeah, he had never known labor that produced sweat in him in an adjective type of a way, uh, which was labor agitation. Work is not supposed to be a grievous thing it, sh- it should be a pleasurable thing i know i sometime in my mind uh, i'm not crazy about getting out in the yard when uh, it's you know 95 out there but once i get into it and start sweating a little bit and you start seeing progression in things and you find it's enjoyable and i and i, I think sometime i'm experiencing what adam knew before the fall his work was never grievous, and he worked, you know. I, I think he sweated at times because he was flesh and blood and bone. I think he worked, and when he got through, he probably perspired and didn't smell too sweet until he took a bath. And he did the things that a natural person did, but they were not laborious to him. At the end of the day, he said, oh, that, that was good. I enjoyed that. But when he sold out and traded his dominion, then that sweat became labor agitation, and it was because he compromised the truth, the truth. And we, as Adam's seed, make decisions based on truth, and if we don't make the decisions based on truth, we have consequences that come into play. Hence, the title of this is Truth or Consequences. That's what we're developing. In Romans 5, God gave us an option. It says there, by the obedience of one, who we clearly know is the Lord Jesus, shall many, not all, be made righteous. Now, that word righteous in the Greek just simply means standing. You could say in in harmony with God if you want to do a little transliteration there. Holy. Absolutely. Shall many be made righteous? Yeah, holy, absolutely. But it also means, in the Greek, right conduct 
by divine standards. That's the definition of it in the Greek. So God allows man to make choices. He get, we have free will. God has given that to us. We can choose which way we wish to go. And we make choices, and then we have consequences. But the good thing about it is, whether they're unsaved or saved, God Almighty aids people in their decision-making. That was, that was an astounding piece of revelation to me when I grasped that, that God aids every soul in making, choosing to do right, truthfully. Otherwise, nobody could get saved at all. There would be no plan of salvation. Because God has to initiate every plan of salvation. Man can't just decide if he wants to go to God. That, it doesn't work that way. God has to initiate the invitation to come to him and receive the word that the Holy Spirit is putting out and drawing, saying, come be saved. That's the way we all got there. We didn't choose to go to God. We, sometime we thought we did, but we did not do that. So God had, is, by the Holy Spirit now, Initially, before, uh, before the New Testament, then God dealt with people in a number of ways. He dealt with them through, uh, which he does still now, people who've never heard the name of Jesus, uh, never been witnessed to, live in the darkest part of Africa. God has a way of getting through to them by nature, by their conscience. They know to do right. They know the same things that we do, except they don't know how to define it. They even understand the Godhead, Romans chapter 1 tells us. They understand that. They understand they can't give you a theological definition of the Godhead. Most of us can't do that either. <laughs> we don't understand everything there is about God, but we, he's given us enough to make quality decisions about who he is and how he is and what he expects and how he witnessed to us. So we choose the basis of it, of what we choose, is based on God's law, or we have to take the consequences that follow. Regenerated man has the indwelling Holy Spirit since the ascension of Jesus Christ from the cross. We have that indwelling Holy Spirit in the regenerated man. Of course, the unregenerated man does not have that. But Jesus said in John 16, when the, there again, the Spirit, which means the Holy Spirit, one and only Holy Spirit of truth, has come, he, the Holy Spirit, will guide, that means to show you the way, into all, inclusive, all truth, which is the truth we just saw. That's the, holy, the job of the Holy Spirit, is to draw and lead all of us and all of them into all truth. So no man will stand unex, uh, with an excuse before God. Acting on truth produces positive consequences. In Genesis 4, God told Cain, if, provisional, if you do well, you will be accepted. I'm convinced that until a person is so taken over by demonic activity and satanic activity that they know that inherently. That's part of the thing that God puts into a soul. If you do well, what you're doing will be accepted. That's not a personality social thing. It's you're, whatever you're doing will be pleasing to God. People know that. They, don't, they can't divine it. But then it goes on to say, if you do not, choice, if, you do not do well, then sin, 
falling short, coming short. Sin is nothing but falling short of God's will. Lies at the door and accepted there. says you'll be accepted if you do well. Accepted there is the Hebrew word, which means you'll be accepted in rank, your, your station in life with those with whom you uh, function in your workplace and in your job place, in your family, in your home, in your associational uh, endeavors. In, in, in every way, you will be accepted. might not be exactly the way you think it's going to be accepted, but God says if you do this, people are going to accept you for where you are, and it also means that you will be accepted. It means in character. The more you walk with God, the more people know who you are in Christ. You don't have to carry a, a stool around and climb up on it and give somebody a dissertation about that. It's true that your life is a, is a living testimony. It's a living epistle for the Holy Spirit. And I feel the stirring of the Holy Spirit on me as I just said that. I feel the, you know, the goosey pimples come in there. And, uh, and that, that's great. And again, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, assists in the decision process. He indicates uh, the soul peace from choosing truth. We, we know that when we have to make a decision and we're kind of swayed whether to stray a little bit from the truth or go with the truth, there's something inside of us that says, especially we who are under the covenant, and I think it happens in the unsaved people, the same that, uh, face it, if, if an unsaved man wants to go down and rob a store, you know, and he chooses not to do that, he feels good about it. If he chooses to not to do other certain gross e- evils that's going to carry a, a serious consequence, then he knows about that. And we who are more tender to God, who are more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, when we have to make a decision that we're kind of what I define as a, a, a why in the road, and, you know, we have a which one we're going to go, but God always shows us the right way. And when we, when we start being indicated that, there's a, there's a soulish peace that comes with that of thinking that's the way to do it. That's the right way to do it. The unregenerated person has great difficulty making truthful decisions. They have great difficulty in doing that because they don't think with the same mindset that you do as a regenerated person. Psalm 58 says this, The wicked are estranged, that means profane in the Hebrew, from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. We looked at our children, and we look at our grandchildren, and some of us look at our great-grandchildren, and we think, oh, aren't they cute? They're just so pretty, and they are. They're sweet little things, but all of a sudden, I, I remember our ch- children, when they were just starting to walk real well, you had to do that to a hand, you know, if it, you know. So what I'm saying is that to the unregenerated person, their propensity is to lie and be untruthful. They don't think from a godly way at all. They think from an ungodly 
way of their decision making. They go astray. They, they, don't, they don't run toward God. They run away from God in their decision making and in their life. As soon as they are born, they go speaking lies. That's why it's easier and we find it truthful for an unsafe person. They'd rather tell a lie than tell the truth. Even though a truth would be better for them. They they're just have that propensity to lie. But the regenerated man is a new creature in Christ. That means a brand new creature. I know some people say, well, I must, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. And I thought, well, you can be that attitude if you want to. It's not true. But I'd like to tell you what I am in Christ, and it's not by me. It's by his power and his will. I'm a brand-new creature in Christ. I'm a regenerated man. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not by my will, but by his will. Not by my empowering, but by his empowering. I go by not by my strength into the world. I go by his strength in the world. When I get up in the morning and put on my clothes and go forth, I go forth clothed in his clothing. And his power and his authority. Philippians 2 says, let, that means allow. We, have, we can allow this. We're to allow this. I encourage us to think and allow this. I had, I had to learn. When I saw that, it really changed my life. Let, allow this mind to be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. He said, oh, oh, no, no, no. I, well, I could never think like, the, like Jesus could. Why, he was so holy and he was so righteous and he was God. And uh, Oh, no, I would never say that. I just want to crawl into his presence. I said, well, grow a little. Find out what the word says and don't, don't let your mind draw you astray. God says that we're a new creature. We're righteous to him. We are a child of God. If we, if we appreciate how to treat our children and we have, if we're a good parent and have our children's well-being in mind, how much more does God treat us as children and have our well-being and our future in mind and makes provision for us to accomplish that? And Hebrews 10 goes further. It says, I will put my laws into their heart. And, that's a dual witness, in their minds will I write them. Now, if, if words mean anything to me, that means I have the law of God in me. Although I don't have to live by all of the law, but I live by some of the intents of the law under the new covenant. And I have that dual witness in my heart. That means in the central part of all of who I am, functional. And God has written those in there for me to draw on as the Holy Spirit utilizes those when I need to make a quality decision. And it's fun to listen to the Lord. It's fun to, to, to hear that quiet, still voice speak truth to us which is what he always does there's no shadow of turning in the lord so god offers strength in our weaknesses we all have weaknesses of one form or the other and we need to let god get involved in those ephesians 3 says this be strengthened with might 
by his spirit, that means by the Holy Spirit, in the inner man. That's where God wants us to be strengthened. And when it says be strengthened with might, that word in the Greek means his miraculous power. His miracle is another word that could be used in the Greek in the transliteration. Be strengthened with his might. That's just simply saying by a miracle from him, when you need a decision, he's going to give you a miracle if need be. If you can't hear it clearly as he delineates it to you by the spirit, then he's going to give you a miracle so that you can understand enough to make a quality decision. This is part of our development. It's part of our composition that God is building us into the image of Christ. That's what he's doing in each of us in the, as a regenerated person. He wants us to be looking like Christ, sounding like Christ, talking like Christ, living like Christ, witnessing like Christ would. The fact is there was one guy who had a problem with this back in John 9. What he said, he says, Lord, I believe, <laughs> but help my unbelief. I don't, I don't have a problem telling God. I'm not, I'm not one of the hyper-faith people. I believe in faith. I believe from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I preach it. I teach it. I, I love it. But there's times when you say, God, is that really you? I'm not sure about that. However, not my will, but your will be done. When I get some time, I step walk around in my clay feet occasionally, and I, I'm not too happy about that at times. But God, knowing the heart of man, parenthetically knowing the heart of man, God set consequences to augment truth. Sometimes we look at consequences as a problem, but that you can have positive, you can have negative. But he set those in place. If we'll accept truth, it's going to produce certain things. If we don't accept truth and act on not accepting truth, then that's going to produce some things also. We follow bad decisions. But people who, who don't follow truth and they get involved in bad decision-making not based on that truth, and then the consequences come, most people never see God in it. They just see the circumstances. Oh, it didn't work out. You know, I didn't get the promotion. Uh, I did thing. I did person was angry with me, you know, and that didn't work, and I just feel terrible about it, and I suffered this because of it. No, they don't see that, that God is doing, even using the consequences to draw us to him. So he, he incorporated within the consequences part the law of physics. He set for those who don't understand the spiritual and can't grasp the spiritual aspect, he set in place within his physics, his, his, con, his creation manifestation and developing the stars and the planets and, and what he's put into that later on in that, the creation of the earth and setting his man into it, Adam and developing out of that. And we're, we're down from that someplace in, in that process as sons of Adam, as well as seed of Adam, as well as sons of God. He set the law in place to take care of those who don't want to act on truth. If they don't, then they have to pay the consequences. And this law of physics is, and, and this is this is what this revolutionized my world. 
And it really is the foundation for this teaching. This law of physics, the scientists, now this, I don't know what God calls it, but the scientists aptly call it the second law of thermodynamics. The second law of thermodynamics, which in a simplistic form is the way I have to view it. It just simply means the entropy. Degrading. Something is degrading. It's losing its quality. It's decaying. It has a lost quality to it. So what God was saying, I'm going to put this law of physics in place, and man can call it the second law of thermodynamics, which means it's losing its quality of, of whatever it was composed to be perfectly. It's in, it has an entropy about it. When God created Eden which is called a place of uh, pleasure and delight. Outside the world, there was nothing but animals killing animals and snarled places in creation that was not kept. It was just wild at times. We'd drive through the countryside, and one of us will make the statement, you know, over there 50 feet away is how this thing looked, you know, thousands of years ago. Hundreds of thousands of years ago, maybe millions of years ago on earth. If you get 10 feet off of it, you know, off the beaten path, you can see what it looks like. When we overlook the savannas and things like that, those things have looked like that before man was ever put on earth. Yeah, so we can see those kinds of things. So God placed this Eden, and, and the definition of Eden was a place that was just filled with pleasure and delight. There was a, before before the, the fall of Adam, there was been nothing there that would have caused any, any problem to Adam. He enjoyed pleasures and delight. That's just like when the children of Israel went in, were searching for the promised land. God said, I'm, uh, and they sent the spies and they came back and said, hey, this is a place filled, you know, with milk and honey. Well, it didn't mean to them, it, the, the definition addition of it was that's not a place where you just lie on your back and you pick the grapes and the stuff and eat it, you know. Uh, no, it, it's what it's saying about that. It was a place where God would give them an opportunity to, to just go forth and everything they put their hands to to be blessed. To them, it would be a land flowing with milk and honey. And I believe that we as regenerated people, especially when we know who we are in Christ and start standing on that piece of, of revelation and start taking authority, over the enemy and over consequences and choose not to live the way the world does, I think we can have a, a, a fraction of that now. And I think what we're getting in fraction now is a drawing to what God is going to use us in the millennial reign, which I believe is going to be very, very soon, that thousand years when God is going to use us uh, in, in a more miraculous way, enjoying that. There's going to be a lot of unsaved people in the world and even saved people who are going to be having a lot of problems, but we're going to walk through that, enjoying a life of milk and honey, and then beyond that in the perfect age, endless, where there won't be any age, the perfectness which is to come for eternity, then we won't know any of, any of this, no problems at all. So we're seeing things in stage, stages now by revelation. And God took in the eastern part of Eden, he planted a garden, reared up a garden there. And that, in the definition of the garden of Eden, that garden part was 
It was a place that was fenced in by God. That's just what it means. Adam lived in a place that was, had boundaries. As long as he stayed within the boundaries, he was perfectly fine. God let him do what he wanted to, when he wanted to. No problem at all. Just go bathe in the water and swim and, you know, just tend the trees, you know, and take care of the property. But other than that, you can, you can just, this place is a joyous place for you to live. But uh, implied within that was a truthful statement. If you step outside of that, you're stepping outside of my protection. And we understand that in application today. We know that as long as we function with and under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we, our lives are good. I don't care if you, how much money we have in the bank. God has made us a promise. You know, he's going to take care of us. I, I don't lose one wink of sleep at night worrying about whether God's going to take care of me or not. But the times I've been tempted to step over the line, in my soul, I can, especially in the last number of years, I can see the consequences that would come from that. Even unsafe people understand that. He was to have dominion or rule over it. He was to be fruitful, reproduce himself. I think these are, can be carried over into the, into the New Testament. What God spoke to him in literal terms was a, a future reference for we who are under the new covenant. We to have dominion. We are prophets and priests and kings in the new covenant. And we, have to, we can operate in either of those to the, to the limit of our ability as led by the Holy Spirit. He was to be fruitful. That means reproduce. We, we're, we're to do that. As Christians, God didn't get us saved and leave us here just to live in the closet. You know, we are to reproduce. And in doing that, sometimes it's not very comfortable, you know, trying to get Reproduce, but it's a joy when we when we speak with someone or testify to someone, and we see God save that person, and we see them start growing in the Lord. Oh, that's fruitfulness! Not only bearing children and having those, because as soon as we have those, if we're any kind of parent at all, we want to see them have the best that that we can produce and the best that they can do. God told him, I want you to multiply. That means increase. This is a provocative statement, but I believe God wants you and me in the new covenant to, to increase also, to multiply. Yes. That doesn't necessarily mean we have more money today than we had yesterday, but I, I think sometimes it might mean we have more revelation knowledge today than we had yesterday. We have a, a more peaceful soul than we had yesterday. Our home is better than it was. Yesterday, better quality life under the Holy Spirit. And it's not based on our station in life. It's based on who we are in Christ. He told Adam he he wanted him to replenish. In the the Hebrew, that just simply meant uh, joyful cultivation. When we let God prune us and, and preen us and and tend to our needs and to tend to our souls. We're just enjoying joyful cultivation. God weeding out the things that's displeasing to him. 
and letting the things grow and, and take root and produce fruit that are pleasing to the Holy Spirit. He told him, I want you to subdue. That means bring things under subjection. That's why I'm glad I'm Pentecostal. They never told me about that in the Baptist church. I love my Baptist brethren. I have deep roots in the Baptist church. I love it. But there came a time when they were, they were not pre- teaching the whole thing, and God himself led me out of that. And, and I'm not better than they, they are. I just feel now that I walk more in, in dominion. I subdue things more. There's things that I do not allow in the natural on my property, and there's things that I don't allow in the spiritual on my property. I don't allow some things uh, in the spiritual to come into my life or into those of my family because we have the authority as parents to take authority over those things, to subdue those things. The things that used to bother me as an unsaved or as, even as a saved person, Things like smoking and alcohol and certain types of movies and certain type of places you went to. There was a time when those things started falling away and God allowed me to take subdue over those. Take a ruling authority over them to bring those into subjection. Can't, Satan can't come at me with those things anymore. They're, they're, they're as far to me as night from day. And I'm not saying that to lift myself up in any, anything special because I could witness that you, you understand a lot of this too. You have the, you're putting these principles in life. You have them in place. There's things you don't allow in your life and in your home and your surroundings that you have dominion over. God has given every soul as he did Adam talents and he did that commanding them to use them wisely parenthetically based on truth every decision we make in life and every soul every decision that every soul saved and unsaved makes is based should be is made whether they do it or not on truth whether it's a truthful which is a right thing to do in its consequences god gave adam talents And he told them to use them wisely. That means personal responsibility. Could not give those that responsibility to anybody else. I cannot transfer my responsibility from acting right onto anybody else. I stand responsible for those. And God's going to hold me responsible when we get to the to the beam or to the judgment seat of God. I can't stay there and say so and so didn't cause me to do this. Not even Satan can. I can say Satan. Some, some comedian used to say, the devil made me do it. No, the devil made, never made anybody do anything unless they're demon-possessed. But not we who are believers. And he didn't even make anybody do it who's unsaved. They chose it. That's a decision they make. But failure to use the talents that God gave us produces consequences. And the second law of thermodynamics that we spoke about a moment ago augments truth and augments truth-producing right decisions. An example of that, we, we know this well, and I see it in Robert's yard and I see it in my yard. That We can, we can clean that thing up and cut it and edge it and blow it, and it looks, it looks pretty decent. might not be the yard of the, of the neighborhood, but it looks pretty good. But about two days later, it's going to need it again. 
You women can make your house, tidy up your home. Everything is in the right place and looks wonderful, and uh, you're so happy with it. And within hours, it starts showing decay. That's the law of thermodynamics taking place. It's entropy taking place. And what it brings into a person's life when the law of, of thermodynamics starts to take place and they allow it to start bearing fruit in their life, this law of decay. If they let their mind go, the mind continues to... De- if the mind is not brought into subjection willfully, then it's going to produce a disorderly life. You, you, uh, I know... We used to have a staff sergeant in the uh, Air Force, and uh, he was just a raunchy-looking guy. And I looked in his car one day, and it looked like a garbage dump. And I thought, yeah, okay, I know why it looks that way, because that's the way your mind is. Guy never had a fresh uniform on, never crisp uniform. And I don't know what kind of decisions he made, but I, I think that's the same thing uh, if I were to set an evaluation in place. So an uncontrolled mind that's not held in in check will produce a disorderly life. It has to do that. That's the law of thermodynamics. That's the law of decay taking place. A body, if we don't treat this body that God has given us with respect and in a way if we don't do the things that's necessary for it, then that's going to turn into health issues. I see people who are extremely over-obese, and that's most of that, the bulk of that is just out of control ability to take control of their habits and their appetites. One of the most ridiculous things in the world to me, it's just my thinking, is to see people send off the TV to pay good money to have somebody on TV send them meals to eat. <laughs> I think, oh my I don't understand. Pay money to have somebody send you food so you can lose weight. It doesn't make sense to me. But, yeah, we don't take care of the body. It's going to produce health issues in one form or the other. If we don't treat our mate right, it's going to produce disharmony. There won't be that unity there of purpose and will. It'll produce alienations of affections that that loving kindness as the song says won't be there that that look of love and expression won't be there anymore there'll be a there'll be a, a shying away and alienation that takes place and and that can be a terrible thing in a home you can produce uh work issues in the home that, that wife or husband will not work as they should and produce as they should to, to bring quality into that home. If we don't take care of our mate as we should, our children will act in rebellion and disrespect because the, and, and the, the sociologists and the scientists and, uh, are trying to figure this out, and they, they'll never understand that this, they're breaking God's law. You can't give somebody enough information to override God's law. They'll never find an answer for it in some group psychology room. 
that their children will be in rebellion and disrespect. If a person does not have a good work ethic, if they require uh, direct supervision, if they've been doing a job for 20 years and require direct supervision, that, that's going to result in some kind of a, a degradation into that work life, a work ethic. They're either going to not get the promotion, they're going to have a reduction salary, or they may even be fired say, hey, we don't need you anymore. You're more trouble to us than good. You're, you're out sick more than you are here. Somebody has to sit on your back to make you, make you do your work every day. I don't need you anymore. Second law of thermodynamics. God set that in place. If we, don't, if we don't do it the easy way, we'll do it the hard way. Finances. We don't control finances. Live on credit cards. Maxed out. I knew a couple one time. They didn't dare answer their phone. They really answered the door. They had credit cards. had about a number of credit cards, and they were all maxed out. And they lived in, but they, they, they got the things into the alcohol and the, and the smokes and the the, the riotous living that they wanted, but they, they didn't take care of their financial obligations in a way. And that, you can't, you can't do that. And that, that works the same way if there's, if there's one maid in the house and they, they're frugal and, and responsible and the other one is spendthrift, you know, easy come, easy go. That, that's, a, that's a formula for disaster. Friends. If we don't train our friends right, they don't want to be around us. I mean, we might have a great personality for a while, but if we're based on truth, people don't have to agree with everything we do, but if we're based on truth, I think we'll draw people to us. But but uh, if, we don't, if we don't treat our friends right, then people don't want to be around us. They, 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 we're rejected. Some of the most personality-attractive people I've ever seen, uh, after a while when you learn them, you don't want to be around them anymore. And if we don't treat our equipment right, leave, leave a piece of equipment out in the yard for a few days, you come back, you can't use it. It's rusty. If you don't take care of your home, it's going to rot. I know there's one in our neighborhood right now. It's, just all, it's almost started. It's, it's about ready to begin rotting because they don't take care of it, the one who owns it. And it's going to need replacement, which means you're going to have to expend funds that you wouldn't have had otherwise spent. You know, you're not going to be able to use it when you need it because it, was, it wouldn't work for you. You're going to be inconvenienced. So all these come into play because we, the, the person, the individual, didn't, uh, didn't do, operate in truth. They, they, they had to endure the consequences. This is one of the astounding things based on this whole teaching. And this, this is the one that, we'll, that a person will have to work with to get these things in order. For one to act on truth and avoid consequences has a requirement to it. it it's, not, it's not easy. It has a requirement. And actions to, to avoid this and operate on truth and avoid the consequences, the third, uh, second law of thermodynamics is that it cannot ever be based on somebody else's action. It will never work if we base our decisions uh, to avoid or act on truth or to con- get the con- it will It will never work if we consider anybody else's action. The action that this one has to take is a unilateral action. It is a one-way. 
I choose to do this whether anybody else understands it or not. This is the way I choose to live based on God's truth for me. I don't try to walk in anybody else's truth. I try to walk in my truth. It's a one-way thing. But I do believe this. I think if we walk that way, it'll, it'll produce good consequences. It may take a while for people to understand that you have a line beyond which you won't cross. They may not like it, but they'll respect you for it. That's why I believe that the boss might not, might not like a guy or a lady who works there. But they know that because they won't lie or they won't cheat or they don't require direct supervision, that they want to, that that's a good employee. They may not get the, the uh, uh, supervisory position or be considered for it. And you might ask me how I know that firsthand. But frankly, I didn't care. I didn't care one bit because by then my life was going another direction anyway. I, but the, when, when they needed something, when they needed supervision or when they needed uh, uh, training, they would, they would come to me, and I'm sure you've experienced some of these very things too. They may not like, you may not like the fact that you won't tell the jokes with them and you won't hang out at the, at the coffee uh, shop with them uh, on break or something and get involved in their stories. They don't, they don't do that, but when, when it comes to work, you're probably the, the, the go-to person there. So it has to be unilateral, and that's, uh, that takes a lot of producing in a life. It takes a lot of acting upon that. But after a while, it starts to be truth. But, you know, the thing about it is we can, we can act on that truth unilaterally. We can draw those lines, and we can say, this is my life. This is the way that I choose to live as a godly person. You know, might not have to say godly. They wouldn't understand that anyway. But that's not going to relinquish all of the discomfort in our life. We're going to still have to pay consequences, to, not the other way, but we're going to still have to, to deal with, uh, with things in our life that are going to bring tribulations. Bible clearly said that, you know, tribulation going to come to us because of the work's sake, the word Words say, the words say, which is the truth that we apply from that word into our life. So in this life, no matter how much we walk in this, we're going to be walking through a disease society and, you know, one thing or the other, colds, flu, you know, social diseases, you know, all types of infirmity and communicable things, transferable things, and we... we we're going to be walking around. This doesn't put us in a, a spiritual cocoon somewhere. We're going to still experience, no matter how much we work on this, as a matter of fact, I don't think it's less. I think it's more for those of us who walk like this. We're going to experience more and more satanic and demonic attack for a while. Because, you see, when we start walking in this, initially, we'll be dealing with the, with the small fallen angels and the, the little lesser demonic activity. But the stronger we got, get in God, the more dominion we start walking in, the more and more we're going to be facing the big ones. And I say that, I don't care, trot them out. You know, it's, I'm not operating in my strength, I'm operating in him, in his strength. 
They say, well, you, you say to you, demonic or satanic, say, if you do this, you can really live. You can start to live. Say, no, you don't understand. I'm dead. Yeah. What do you mean you're dead? No, I'm, I'm dead. You can't, you can't take me with that. You say, well, if you're dead, then tag spiritually because I'm alive in Christ. And it, they, it, they go spiritually bananas. They don't understand that. And they're not meant to understand. They can't grasp that. That's why the angels desire to look into some of these things that we experience and we walk in. We are regenerated. And if we, can, if we walk in that truth and apply that truth as much as we can to direct by the Holy Spirit, it's going to bring social, con, co, social uh, conflict. Probably the, the more, quote, good, unquote, that you become in God, the more and more they're not going to like you. You're gonna, the more you're going to be alienated and the more you're going to be uh, shunned in life, except by those of like precious faith. And I think that's where we're coming to anyway. We really feel comfortable of those who walk pretty close as we are. I can fellowship with anybody who's a Christian. I really can. I, I can go back to that church I used to go. I don't need for us in existence anymore. But when I went there, it was down at 8th in Maine, the big Baptist church down there. In that time, it was a, it was a big church. And before I went there, about 20 years before I was there, uh, it was one of the, the premier churches because that was one of the uh, affluent areas in Jacksonville. And it was still a large church when I was there. I loved those people. And for years after God moved me out of there, which took a long time for me to get out of there because I was involved in leadership. And uh, you, can't, you can't cause disruption. You have to leave peaceably. And I had to let God extricate me out of there peaceably. But I could go back there and fellowship, you know, for, for a, a service or so. But I couldn't, I couldn't stay in that. I, I needed to be, I couldn't be around that unbelief. You know, I needed to be with those that, who know the who they are in Christ, who walk in the Spirit, who's a Spirit-filled. And I'm not saying that makes us better than anybody else. It just makes us uh, able to produce or, or receive more things into our life and take more dominion and authority than we could. And there, therefore, we live more peaceable in our soul. We may not have some of the worldly things, but we have the, what we desire and what we need. That's a good thing about it. So even though we try to do these things the best of our ability and are doing those, it's not going to solve everything. But that's, that's why God left us here. And that's why I was alluding to a while ago, a few moments ago, is if God didn't have something for us to do when we got saved, he'd have to take us to heaven. The fact that we're still here means we've got something to do. He's got to work for us. It might not, be, it might not have a, a microphone or a spotlight on it, but that's okay too. Let me just leave you with this. This is Jesus' charge to us. Couldn't get a better charge from anybody than that. He says, I've set before you life and death, blessings or cursings. Those things are before you. You have a choice to receive or not deceive, to walk in those or not. He says, but therefore, I encourage you to choose life. And parenthetically, it means it's going to be, you're going to be happier. You can't, you can't go where they go and be happy. You can't do what they do and be happy. You can't live the way they do and be blessed. You're going to compromise something. You can't hang out with the ungodly and say, I'll witness to them. That won't work. You're going to lose every time. That's why I can't personally, I can't go to some of the groups of people who invite me. You used to invite, they don't invite me anymore. 
but I used to go there, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't be there surrounded by that influence. I couldn't do that, but there's other places I can go, and oh, it's, it's just like sitting down around a table, you know, with family. You just, you just feel the harmony when, when you're there. It says, I've set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. Therefore, choose life, thou and thy seed. I'll save a man in this house. Might not do it in our time, but he'll get it done. Why don't you stand? You've been so patient. Let's just pray for the Lord over, over this.